Hello friends, welcome to our SBT Sunday teachings. My name is Venerable Tarpa. Before we begin, let's take a moment to appreciate our handsome community gathered here today. Today I feel fortunate to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing the present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And, as, and let's remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world, to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same, to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others, to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, to maturely accept and embrace the reality of our situation while striving to improve it. Once again, welcome to our Sunday teachings. Today we're going to be examining the Buddhist presentation of karma. We had a few requests for this, and um, it was coming up in our sutra class yesterday. <clears throat> And it is a really, really fascinating class. You know, I'm thinking about teaching a little bit backwards today. And let's start with this idea that um, there's so many presentations of karma throughout all the different traditions, and they all vary quite a bit, some of them quite drastically. Um, karma is one of those things, it's one of the things that the Buddha um, would often refuse to talk about. And um, the Buddha thought uh, getting into the intricate workings of karma because of its complexity is like getting getting into a thorn bush and that just just it's all contention and it's really hard to understand. So the Buddha uh, advises us to, to develop a working understanding of karma. But in a sense, he tells us that you'll go crazy if you really try to figure out all the ins and outs because it is quite complicated and, and it's just a little bit hard to, to nail down. With that said, I intend to do just that. I intend to, to, to define it perfectly. I'm joking, of course. Um, so uh, traditionally, karma is one of the most encompassing concepts in in, in humanity in, in the lives of sentient beings. Karma is considered the single most encompassing element of ordinary existence. In fact, at its deepest level, traditionally, it's posited as the very force behind the creation of our physical world and all the inhabitants in it. It's our karma and our, our intentions and subtle particles create everything there is uh, in our universe. Um, but what exactly is karma? <clears throat> traditionally, karma is defined as action. And when I mean traditionally, I mean before Buddhism. Karma, like many Buddhist terms, were actually used uh, before the Buddha's arrival. And karma was one that was in Brahmanism and is in Jainism as well. Um, so originally, karma is defined straightforwardly as actions. Uh, however, the Buddha redefines karma, and the Buddha does this often with terminology. He'll take, he'll take common terms used by other religions like Brahmanism and Jainism, and he'll put his own spin on them and redefine them for his own purpose. In this case, he doesn't go too far. He defines karma instead of action as intentional action, or you could say deliberate action. Um, karma is a form of internal cause and effect. Karma could only be produced by a mind and be influenced by a mind. So cause and effect is simply 
we think of uh, things outside of that. So cause and effect can deal with the 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 universe, the rotation of planets, the the uh, the destruction and creation of planets and world systems, karma or cause and effect. Uh, it can be related to weather events. Cause and effect can be related to the world of uh, fauna and flowers and plants. They don't have minds; they they just grow. Um, and um, but karma is different. Karma is that same kind of cause and effect, but distinctly related to sentient life, uh, life with a mind. Um, so. Um, <clears throat> Being a cause of internal cause and effect, um, karma is quite different than, uh, uh, karma can be quite different. I'm trying to think of how I want to explain this. You know, it, it, uh, karma has become a very modern term and we all hear it on television programs and there was some funny American show about a guy, and the whole show was about him trying to purify his karma, going back and apologizing. My name is Earl, I think it was called. And he was trying to go back and, and, and right all his wrongs and apologize to everyone. So karma has definitely fallen into the lexicon of, of popular terms nowadays. But uh, the common understanding of karma is, is quite different than the actual Buddhist take on what it is, um, karma, in modern in a modern sense, we often see as a form of universal judgment, right? Um, uh, and the idea that if you if you do bad things, the universe at some point is going to punish you, or if you do good things, the universe is going to reward you, or having to do with luck. And this is anything but true in in Buddhism. Um, because uh, karma uh, is a form of cause and effect, karma lacks any type of moral judgment or discernment between good and bad, fair or unfair, according to Buddhism. Um, karma is, is much more like a universal uh, property, like gravity would be. So karma has, has as much to do with, with good and bad and, and, and in, in these things as gravity would. Um, it's not about reward and punishment. It's also not about predetermination, destiny, fate, coincidence, or luck. It's, it's mathematical. It's algebra. Uh, you do A, and you, 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 the environment changes to B equals C. There's, there's no kind of, um, there's no kind of, a, of discernment of what is good or what is bad. Karma is just straightforward mathematics. You go around, you go around punching your neighbors in the noses. Guess what? Eventually somebody's going to punch you in the nose. Karma is really just simply like that, just simply mathematical. And um, to illustrate that point a little better, let me call up a meme here for us. So, this is something I wrote a while back. This is, uh, I have a really nice presentation of karma from the Tibetan point of view in my text, Tibetan Buddhist Essentials, which uh, you're all free to download. I think it's volume two. Uh, you're all free to download from our website, sbtonline.org. Um, but here's, a, this gives us a little bit of an idea of what karma is. Karma is a flowing stream in which we abide. A current of potentiality which carries us. However, we are not aware of the fact that we are the creators of the stream as well as the navigators. We're not aware that through every thought, word, and deed, we are influencing its direction. Um, so in traditional Buddhism, karma is seen as a big deal. Karma is the reasons we are in samsara. It is the mechanism that keeps the wheel of samsara going on. You know, when we, <clears throat> when we have bad karma, we fall into lower birth. When we have good karma, we fall into higher birth. So um, 
So karma is seen in that capacity and is directly related to the rebirth process. As secular Buddhists, who a lot of us don't have a belief in uh, rebirth, I personally do, but many of our uh, members don't. Uh, we want to look at karma a little bit differently. And to be honest, I think we're looking at it a, a more accurately as well. So the idea of karma is that uh, throughout your life, all your all your deeds, all your all your words, all your attitudes, your intentions, motivations, volitions, they create a um, a type of stream, and and that that is this idea of a karmic stream, and as we as we experience life, and we commit we commit actions and things and we get results back these results flavor the way we look at life it's kind of a it's kind of a loop and we you, our karma affects the way we look at the world which in turn affects the way we project onto the world and we create our own world so this stream of karmic karma has been happening ever since we're little kids to me karma doesn't have to be anything mystical I think that many people reject the idea of karma because they believe it to be that. To me, I don't see it mystical at all. I see it simply as cause and effect. I see karma as related to genetics. In, in Buddhism, you know, every aspect of your life in one way or another is connected to karma. So clearly genetics are as well. You know, well, however your mother and father come together and they produce a baby, and and of course all their children have different genetic makeups. You know, whatever whatever those causes and conditions come together and produce, this is a stream of karma. So you're born into the stream, and then our parents help to build our identity and our experiences in life, our education, the neighborhoods we're brought up in, the types of friends we have, the types of good experiences that we're wounded by, the type of wonderful experience that we're inspired by, these all contribute to this stream. And this stream itself is karma. So it's not mystical. It's really just the idea that all of our experiences, all our actions, they all move forward. They all are part of this system of causes and results, just like throwing a pebble in a pond. Once you let go of that pebble, there is no stopping the ripples that come out, right? Now, we might not know what, what the pattern of those ripples are, or what those ripples will do, and maybe one of those ripples topples over an insect and kills it on the water. But the idea is, is that um, Buddhism believes, and I, and I think it's true, that all things arise from causes. And I think science would probably be pretty good with that, too, when you look at chemistry and things like that. All things arise from causes. And so um, that's what, uh, that's my kind of feeling of it. This, this, uh, this little piece here on seeing karma as a flowing stream, I think it's poetic, but I think it's quite accurate from my own point of view also, that all the things that I do, they create this momentum Right, and this momentum, you know, it unfolds, and um, sometimes we can have some control over it, and other times we can't. Okay, so with that said, um, <clears throat> what else do I got here for you, folks? Um, uh, so, karma is a. There's actually a cycle of karma. And I didn't want to go too deeply into the presentation of karma because it can be quite deep. But there's kind of this cycle of karma. There's the, there's the motivation to do something. There's the actual doing of the act. Then there's a karmic imprint and things like that. So here, karmic imprints are potentialities that arise from uh, the, the actions that we we carry out. And oftentimes they're seen as likened to seeds, just like a seed that you'd plant in the ground, that when we commit an intentional action, it uh, it produces this karmic seed. And, you know, we put it in the ground. Now, 
oftentimes, as you know, when you when you do when you commit actions, whether good or bad, sometimes you don't get the results right away. You do a nice you do a nice favor for somebody, maybe they don't say thank you or do something in return for a while. The same with with negative things. You might do something and you don't get caught caught at it for quite a while. So the idea is that we have a karmic, you have these karmic seeds or imprints. And when the situation uh, is is uh, proper, these will ripen and then the results can be seen. I think it's kind of a mystical way of saying something that's not very mystical. It just means when the causes in our environment um, come into play that are that that are uh, applicable to this, then the then we get the uh, we get the results of our karma, um, <clears throat> but. What that karmic imprint is, is I think quite interesting. Geshitashi Sering, who is one of my very favorite Tibetan authors, uh, his books are in our SBT reading list, which you can download from our uh, download library. He talks about what karma, what karmic imprints really are. It's the residue left over from our experiences. It's the residue of how we feel about our experiences. Karma comes in when our emotions are involved. And, and sometimes more than emotion, our emotions are our likes and dislikes, some mental imprints there. So, um, and what happens is um, those residues then further are and color our perceptions of life itself. And they change the way we see the world. And we call these, uh, these uh, perceptions, we call them mental factors in Buddhism. So the idea is that our attitudes, our ideas about life, our likes, our dislikes, our, uh, even the, our moods and emotions, they shape the way we see the world, right? And as we talked about before, the fact is, is that we, we never really see an accurate world in front of us. We see an interpretation, right? We see the world through these mental factors, through these perceptions. So um, you, you say you're a person who hates the snow and you walk outside the snow and you see a different reality than somebody else does. Somebody that loves the snow, they might pay close attention to it and see the light sparkling off of it and all the all the housetops and things like that so um or if you're a person with a lot of fear you see the world differently than a person that doesn't have that same uh attitude or perception so um <clears throat> so what happens is uh we commit an act we have this imprint and then that imprint changes the way you look at the world and then by changing the way you see the world, it actually changes your reality. It changes the way you react to the world. It changes your attitude towards the world, right? Uh, so um, a what example of this is, um, is to imagine you're going on a job interview. And so let's say before the job interview starts, you did something that you weren't very happy about. Let's say maybe you cheated on your spouse or you've been cheating on your spouse. You've talked to this, this other person. You feel quite guilty about what you did. Anyways, it's time to go to the interview. Because of that experience, <clears throat> even though it's not related to the job interview, it changes the way you look at the world. And it also changes the, the way people see you. So you go into the job interview and you're a little dark, right? You're, you're, you're a little jaded from the experience and uh, you do your best to go through it. And that's going to produce a certain cause. It's going to produce a certain uh, performance in the job interview. Now let's take the opposite. You go into that job interview, but right before it, you had some type of wonderful, joyful experience. Maybe you dropped your kids off at school and they were dressed up and playing and it was funny and touched your heart. And you walk into that job interview radiating, you know, shining. You're so full of joy. And of course, that changes the way you're going you're gonna to interact with the, with the interviewer and the way they see you. Which person do you think you'd hire 
of the two, right? The dark kind of shadowy person or this vibrant positive person. This is kind of an idea of how karma works. It, it changes, it profoundly changes the way we perceive the world and the way we are perceived by the world, right? Um, karma is not static or fixed. Um, when I, I remember I had a teacher who, uh, who gave out this sheet on karma and he had a big map of, if you kill someone in this lifetime, in your next lifetime, here's how you're going to be killed. And uh, most teachers would not, not agree with that. Different traditions have different views. But um, the idea is, um, uh, this idea of a, of a fixed static karma, I think is quite incorrect. Um, the way karma works is karma is influenced by new experiences. It's influenced by new views by changing feelings, as well as other beings and their own distinct karma. <clears throat> um, so let's say that you're a, uh, let's say you're a person who has a problem with anger. And in Buddhism, we would say you have a karmic propensity for anger. And so you've had this your whole life, and it's a problem that you have. And, but at the same time, you were lucky enough to meet a wonderful person and you married a beautiful spouse who uh, helps you with this anger. They're a kind and caring person. Because of the influence of this other person, the effects of your own karma of anger coming back will be clearly would be quite different, wouldn't they? The, your spouse teaches you how to work with your karma. And even just being around a person who doesn't have karmic problems like that, you, you feel lightened by the experience. So this is just an example how karma is always in a state of constant change. Um, and again, if we talk about karmic imprints being specifically related to how we feel about the things we've done, thoughts said, right? If that is the case, then if you can change the way you feel about past events, then of course the karma itself would change, yeah? So another story, how about you, uh, when you were a child, you stole a candy bar and um, you felt, you've always felt very bad about it. And you've grown up to be an honest adult. You've never steal, stole anything since, but you still have this nagging feeling of uh, guilt that you stole this candy bar. But with proper understanding, as that person ages, one day they come to the realization that, well, a lot of kids steal. It's not necessarily that you, you, were, you were so bad. And uh, clearly your, your experience with stealing, um, which you didn't, you didn't care for, led for you to, to become an honest person throughout your life, that maybe that, that negative experience led to a, a quite a positive light. Nevertheless, by understanding why we do the things we do, the emotional connection to it can be lessened. And that would be the idea of, of reducing karma, right? So, um, this is how, this is another thing that shows us how karma isn't static or fixed. It's constantly changing. In fact, it can even change just according to your moods. So again, say you did something negative in the past. Well, if you're in a happy mood and you reflect on it, it might not feel like such a big deal. But then maybe you're in a, you're in a contemplative mood and you look at it and it seems heavier. So this all comes into the play of karma. Um, and then, and then choices we make have a lot to do with our karma. So say you're a person who has a karmic propensity for an early death. We could call it genetics, right? Your parents died early. You have the, you have the same, maybe you're born with a birth defect, a, a bad heart or something. Anyways, you have this propensity for an early death. Well, um, you can decide to to do nothing about it. You could just eat bad food and everything else, which could lead you to actually die, dying even earlier than, than you, you would have. Or you could do the opposite and you could spend your life 
eating really great food and exercising these things. And though it's not guaranteed, you could possibly lengthen your life in that way. So this again shows us how karma is not a static fixed thing. Our choices and our decisions in every moment are always affecting this idea of karma. Um, also, karma in the West is often seen as the result of our actions. So when you go in, when you go into your car and you try to start it and it won't start and you got a bad battery and you say, oh, that's my karma. Well, that would be incorrect. This is a result. Karma is the things that you do that will produce results in the future. So quite a bit different than the Western understanding of karma, right? Um, karma is the potentiality of future results. Um, do I have any good stories for you? Let's move on to group karma. So if karma has to do with how we are mental and emotional imprints about our actions and, uh, uh, and deeds we've done, then clearly you can have such, such a thing as group karma. You can join a group, an ideology, whatever it is, you want to become a Nazi or, a, or you want to become this or that. By joining that group, joining that ideology, when that group acts, clearly the impact of the karma is yours as well. And of course, why? Because they do something rotten and you don't believe in it. Guess what? You know, you, you have emotions about that. You feel about it. And so, um, uh, and, and the same is true with SPT. The good things that we do, you being a member of the group, you, we all earn positivity from it. We all feel good about the work we're doing. Everyone benefits, and it benefits us individually. So there is such thing as group karma. And then the idea of just karma is just all of our karmas bouncing off each other in every moment of the day. Every time you talk to somebody, you do this and that. Karma is just like a, some kind of video game with a ball just bouncing all around the place. All of our karmas interacting with others. And so the big question we always get is, well, how do you purify karma? And <clears throat> traditionally, there are various practices for working with negative karma. And, um, but ultimately, developing right view is the greatest way of purifying karma. And for those of you who haven't been to our Skillful Living program, right view is having the proper understanding of your true nature and the nature of reality. Meaning it's understanding you and how you work and how you relate to others, understanding your environment, understanding reality, just knowing how the whole thing works, life itself. And when you understand how life itself works, this is a great thing to undermine all those negative feelings that, that, that are the, that are the, uh, the uh, genesis of our of our negative karmas. Um, so we change our karma by changing the way we feel about our experiences. And this is done through understanding ourselves in the world. And uh, I'm, I'm sharing our secular Buddhist uh, take on karma. This is the way secular Buddhism looks at it. Um, we need to understand karma not as a result or a punishment, but karma is the opportunity that's there in front of you, right? Um, karma tells us that we're the architects of our future and not the victims of our past. Karma is the, the potential and ability to do things from this point forward. Uh, and it's, it's clearly much more fruitful to direct your efforts in working with karma we are currently creating than worrying about past karma. <clears throat> when you talk about karma, everybody's worried about past karma coming up to bite you in the butt. That's not the proper way to look at karma. Karma is looking at your current situation and what you can do to move forward. It's, it's looking at the things you're doing, saying, and thinking right now and contemplating what results they'll have. So 
working with karma is to, is all about moving forward yeah uh and i have another meme for you they're gonna call me meme tarpa oh this is pretty the proper understanding of karma dictates that we are architects of our future and not victims of our past that we possess the ability through making better and wiser choices to radically improve the quality of our lives therefore when contemplating karma we should focus on what results our present actions will produce and not the fo and not focused on what past karma may unfold likewise the useless focus on assigning blame imagining retribution or being consumed by guilt is a deep misunderstanding of the workings of karma. I'll post this on our social media for everybody afterwards. <clears throat> okay, hey, I think that's a pretty good presentation of karma for everybody. And I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, but let's open up the Florida questions and comments and insights. I'm ready for you as the hands go up in a flurry. Papa, you got a few comments in the chat. Ah, okay. Should I read? I'll read them for you. Yeah. The word causation is better. I like that too. That's that's lovely, David. <clears throat> oh, I like that it is more in depth and better analyzed. An analyze of biblical you reap what you sow yeah and of course uh, all the things we talked about in yesterday's sutra class come into play here right and especially that first initial teaching of the buddha where he says do no evil do only good purify the mind i mean in so many ways that's the perfect teaching on buddha buddhism and it's the perfect teaching on karma itself Kelly says, this explanation sounds a lot like general physics. Oh, it sure is. Potential energy becomes kinetic. That's right. It sure is. It, to me, it's no different than gravity or anything else. To me, it's a, it's a universal property. And again, I don't see it being, um, my, it's my understanding of it. It's not a mystical quality at all like it is for most people. To me, it's again, it's just that that our our thoughts our deeds our actions our words they create this stream right when you say things in the world it creates a stream right sometimes sometimes it leads to good things that come out sometimes it leads to bad things that come out but that stream itself is undeniable to me and i like to call that stream karma Buddhist karma is much more positive than the view of Westerners. I agree. And there's a lot of weird ideas. The Jains believe karma is a physical substance that sticks to the soul like tar. And either good or bad, they're both looked at as negatively. And the idea is you have to shake all that off so you can float up to the heavens. I'm tied to my chair right now so I don't float away from all of you. So is karma. <clears throat> I could have defined karma as a delightful young lady that comes to all our meditations. And <laughs> David, you got a question? Yes. Um, first of all, I just thought that was an absolutely brilliant presentation on karma. I do too. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I thought it was the best I ever heard. Uh, yeah, the best I ever heard by a long, long way. Um, I do have one question uh, that puzzled me, though, Tarpa, um, <clears throat> as usual. Um, and that is that um, if you personally believe in rebirth, um, what impact does your karma have on your rebirth? Oh, great question. And, um, you know, I, I, maybe I have to share some caveats that, you know, as an agnostic Buddhist, secular agnostic Buddhist, like the rest of you, um, <clears throat> we know the difference between knowing and believing. To me, uh, I actually don't put much thought into rebirth because I don't know very much about it. We can read the scriptures. I have a feeling if there is such a thing, it's much different than what we read about. Um, but for me, it's just out of all the theories of what happens when we die, that's the best one for me. I've met some <clears throat> some masters and people who 
claim to have seen the, their their past lives and but so i have i have some some um things that uh, that that help me uh, that uh, push me in that direction, but I don't know it to be a fact. So the presentation for me is no different than what we just shared. It's just the fact that that stream we talked about of our actions, our words, our thoughts, and our deeds just goes on to the next life. So um, whatever that momentum, you know, we we could also use the word momentum instead of stream. There's just our words, our deeds, our actions create a momentum. And guess what? That momentum pulls at us. You know, when you've had a habit of all kinds of different behaviors, you just don't break out of them, do you? Do you? None of us do. You know, we, we slowly move away from things. That momentum is quite strong. That momentum itself is karma. So I believe that that momentum um, would, is what would move forward into a person's next life. But to be honest, I don't even really like talking very much about rebirth because I'm still trying to weigh out for myself exactly what do I think about it. And there's just not enough evidence to to have a, a, a really accurate hypothesis. So it's a belief. It's there on the side for me. I don't really address it much. I hope that's helpful, David. <clears throat> Kelly? Hi. Uh, just kind of uh, bouncing off of what you said, as as you know, my before I came to Buddhism, I was I was in the world of Hare Krishna. And, uh, rebirth is a very big teaching in in that tradition, as in all of the Hindu Dharma. A lot of emphasis is placed on it, but even there, uh, we were taught not. They not to place a whole lot of don't don't spend a lot of time worrying about who you might have been in a past life or what you might have been in a past life because it's not important. What's important is your practice here and now. And so uh, I thought that that was a a, a nice kind of way to uh, to to look at it. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think I, I should have made that point stronger. Buddhism, by the way, the Buddha himself felt the same way, but. Um, if I can remember, there are these four, four. Oh, they're called the the propond the the non preponderances or some strange name. Four things that you shouldn't contemplate in depth, and um, and I don't know if I remember all of them, but the, one of them was the workings of karma itself, and that it's it's complex, and um, <clears throat> and. By uh, by pondering these things, it takes you away from practice. So the Buddha was really big on that. The Buddha did was pro education. He was pro study. He gave teachings. He 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 believed that people had to know the true nature of themselves in reality. They had to be taught that. And um, but at the same time, he was careful to uh, to tell people not to take in un unneeded information, not to study. Um, beyond what's needed for practice, because it just interferes with your practice. And in the in the uh, sutra studies we did a few weeks ago, they had a line that said, "Knowledge uh, destroys our our innate goodness." And of course, they they mean by knowledge. I'm sure they mean like an over knowledge or a self serving knowledge, where you're you're trying to study so you're you're better than everyone else, things like that. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Kelly. Lovely. <clears throat> okay, Martin. See you later. We're down to two monks. Oh my God, what do we do? It's just you and Johannes. Oh, brilliant presentation that moves away from the religious idea of punishment, one for their behavior. Yes, I agree completely. And so um, I shared this with Stephen Bachelor, and I think I made him a believer. I spent the weekend with him in his villa in. Uh, South France, him and Martin, and um, <clears throat> a couple topics he uh, was really hard, really tough on in his writing. One was karma, one was the two truths, and and I shared a presentation that he, he I think he liked very much. Um, I think karma is a very useful term. I don't know if we have a better term for it, if we should think of an, a Western term like momentum or something, but nevertheless, um, to me, it seems like a very straightforward Term. Yes, Jen. So 
so then do you see you personally any benefit in like the doing like 10,000 prostrations or the mantras that people do like is that, do you see any purpose in doing those types of things or those practices the ones you mentioned are distinctly tibetan uh, tantric mm -hmm. practices i decided okay. that i didn't want to practice tantra or teach tantra um, okay. But um, there's also a lot of other other uh, practices. In fact, I loaded one up here just in case somebody asked. And this is the one that's very popular. It's called the Four Opponent Powers. And so it's the power of regret, you know, feeling regret and remorse for what you've done. The power of refuge, relying on the three jewels to reestablish your virtue. The power of remedy. And this is, it could be, Looking, looking at the things you do in a different light, uh, practices of atonement, apologizing to people, etc., and the power of resolve, the determination to not repeat the action. This is by far the most prescribed uh, uh, piece. The reason I don't share it is because I don't think none of them work as good as developing right view. When you develop right view and all of a sudden you realize why you do the things you do and you realize that most of us are only acting out of patterns, habits, social conditioning. You realize there's not really much blame there, right? You, right? The things that, like myself, I grew up with big brothers. I just did everything they did. So anyways, when you realize that uh, what's the real culprit, the real bad guy here is not people, it's our afflictions. We all, human beings, have a sickness. It's called samsara, and it's afflictions, and it's, it's ignorance and confusion. It's not understanding ourselves, who we are, what we are, how life works, how our environment works, what reality is. Because of that, <clears throat> we create a lot of misery. We keep kind of wandering around, trying to find happiness, falling into trouble, falling into happiness, back and forth. But once you understand what these things are, then you realize that you're not to blame for them, that you're, uh, you were just an innocent child growing up, that every day of your life you've done the best you can to work with these shared human limitations. We all have them, and we all have the same ones. You can't yell at some guy for being angry. You got it too. We all have different combinations, but... We all have all of the limitations, especially confusion and ignorance. And then meditation is what brings us clarity. When we calm down, when we're not so speedy, we're not so, when life isn't so immediate, I gotta go right now, it has to be done right now. When we let go of all that grasping, then that's nirvana, right? This is samsara. This is nirvana. Uh, Johannes. Papa, Donna had her hand up first. Oh, let's call it Donna first. She um, has hard questions. I'm not sure. Not okay. Lately, not lately. So I, I just wanted to comment that I, I enjoyed hearing that karma is kind of like gravity or <clears throat> math. It's just there. And as far as relating it to math, again, that positive aspect of it, if you use positive numbers, you get positive things back. I love that. It's algebra. And, and, there's, and you know what? In algebra, A plus B equals C. You don't blame B. You don't get angry at A. There's no one to blame. There's no judgment. It's just the way it is. They're just numbers. So... In karma, it's the same thing. Like they often say, think about someone de 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 uh, despicable in history. And if you were to see their life from a distance and you saw their life in, in algebraic terms and you say, oh, this is their upbringing and this is it. All of a sudden you come to that end result like Chairman Mao or some terrible being. And you think, of course, that's how he turned out, right? That's the idea, right? And, and for ourselves, too, we, we of course, this is why, where I am. Of course, this is why I have these issues. It, it just makes sense like that. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Johannes? 
but I think that the uh, the practice of of seeing um, seeing um, yourself as uh, as innocent originally in a sense is uh, is suitable perhaps for modern westerners so in in my current tradition one of the main forms of practice lay people engage in which is also very important for monastics is that every two weeks before the the chanting of the monastic vows the day before there is a repentance ceremony <coughs> where people come to the monastery and we have a ceremony involving chanting buddha name and prostrating and although it's possible as in your version to to create a, a secular interpretation a secular version of the repentance ceremony to me it very easily has some sort of kind of feeling of a christian repentance of sins there's it's very uh, easy to have that kind of association in the mind i think for a western person from a christian culture and then another problem that that i find it makes it a bit distasteful is that i i know and i'm aware of how prevalent these um, ideas of karma um, um, as kind of a supernatural thing uh, and universal mechanistic uh, law in a in a non-secular manner are among practitioners so i don't really see people engaging with the repentance practice in a in a way i would engage with it um so because of these two kind of negative associations it's very difficult to connect with with it and i think that's why it would also be a bit difficult to connect with the secular version so that the, the alternative you suggest i think is actually very good better well, we actually have it. Our our um, <clears throat> the last Sunday of every month we have a purific we have a day of observance, and the day of observance is is just that. In Tibetan, we called it sojong. I forgot what the Theravada call it, but it's the day when monks all purify their vows, day of repentance. So we do it once a month. We've been doing it for quite a while now. I think maybe a year so far, huh? We or or so, and we have uh, we call it a purification ceremony, and so one the last Sunday of every month within a retreat we do a purification ceremony. All of our members, monastic and non-monastics, we all retake our vows, and we all to ourselves confess any vows that we might have. Uh, fractured or uh, and things like that. So for us, it seems to be working pretty good, but we've taken quite a bit of the religion out of it. We don't do the chanting and things like that. We just have a lovely ceremony to purify ourselves. And you're exactly right. It's a real, it's a real big thing that, especially with your vows, it really does help you to change the way you feel about those. And it does re remove any negative karma that you might feel from your vows or the ideas there <clears throat> as a secular uh yeah no, i would say that that's i was going to say as a secular buddhist uh i don't see anything mystical about it we're literally working with our feelings about those things so if i broke a vow and i've been feeling bad about it all month and i do purification and if it makes me feel even a little bit better then that's that's purification Thank you, Johannes. It's wonderful. You have to come this sun, this uh, or January first. We'll do purification ceremony. You can join in. Great, I will. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, David, did you have a question, or are your arms just moving? Oh, you're yeah, running. Oh. I'm just waving at Johannes. It's really nice. <laughs> He's a great guy. How about anybody else? Were there any aspects of karma that I didn't touch on or anything? You're, you know, the presentation is like super deep. If you're, if you're interested in this, I, I, I direct, I'd like to direct you to that, to our text uh, in volume two of Tibetan Buddhist Essentials. I go really deep into all the causes from the Tibetan point of view. And it's from Sarah Monastery. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite progressive. It's not old fashioned. <clears throat> Tarpa, I think Libby had a question. Oh, Libby? In the chat? Yeah. Ah, how do you deal with things when what you observe of karma is in conflict with what you're taught? 
<clears throat> As one who isn't sure about rebirth, I don't like the dismissal of it being waiting for another life. I have two examples that are complete opposite of what I would expect. How do you deal with that? And it plays out. Um, as agnostics, we, we come to, uh, we accept and become comfortable with not knowing and realizing that our thirst for knowledge of everything is often one of the big problems we have. And <clears throat> to realize that knowledge is always changing and um, though you might not know or have a, a fixed belief on something today, <clears throat> maybe you will in the future. So I guess I'm saying is we're patient. You know, we work with these things. Um, oftentimes, like the idea of rebirth, uh, for me, I have a loose belief on, in it. And so I prioritize it accordingly. It's not something I contemplate all the time. Um, and because the idea of rebirth is that, you know, when you're a good person, that momentum leads to a better lifetime. Everything that I'm doing normally in practice would give me a beautiful rebirth if there's such a thing. So the idea is that you can, you can live a life that, that helps you to flourish in this life. And that would be exactly the same practice for you to flourish in a next life. And, I'm, and for myself, I'm patient. And sometimes things arise in, in meditation. Maybe one day in meditation, I'll have a memory that I was a, a shrimp or a lobster farmer in Fraserborough, Scotland. <laughs> or, or a shoemaker in Poland. Yeah. But you talk about karma being connected amongst people. It's like... <clears throat> When I was young and all the way through, I knew that I wanted to help people. That's where I got my education. And then I had a traumatic event that's left me disabled and unable to work. But then that's not just my karma that's affected. It's the people that I could have helped. I could have been in the industry for 10 years by now helping people. And I've lost out on that. And that's not just my karma that's affected. It's the people around me. It's true, and um, I didn't talk about interconnection. I talked about as karma bumps off of everybody. We're all bumping into each other, and though I think that there's there is a connectivity with karma because we can have karmic groups. Families can have karma. Groups of friends can have karma. You can join a an ideological group and have karma. So. <clears throat> I think I'm okay with that thinking also. Oh, one thing is, is that you're projecting a future that you don't know it was, it was actually real or not. You know, you don't know what would have happened. You can kind of think about it, but you just don't know what happened. Who knows, maybe, maybe some you know, change events in the past and maybe it doesn't work out the way you think it does. Um, but that's the thing about thinking too much about karma is that it's just too deep of a, of a subject to, to look back at your life and look at all the situations and experiences and try to make sense of it. Boy, that's a, that's a big deal. So in karma, you're looking at it, you have to learn how to kind of let go of it and uh, try to understand it and work with it the best you can. But you have to be patient and just understand that for you know, most of us just will never be able to come to that deep of an understanding about it. And also, your life hasn't stopped unfolding, so you have no idea where it's going to go from now. Sometimes we have a bad experience in the past, and it leads us to incredible experiences in the future. Sometimes somebody has a bad experience, and it creates great empathy and compassion for others, as I think it does for you. And they end up doing amazing things in their life at another time. You're a, you're a young person. So, um, again, you know, at what point do we judge it? You remember the story from our, our, our text about the Zen, Zen farmer with the horse? And they, they keep saying, we'll see, we'll see. His horse runs away. The neighbors say, oh, how terrible. He says, ah, we'll see. The next day they come back with two more horses. The neighbors say, how wonderful. And he says, we'll see. And then his son 
breaks his leg riding one of the horses, and the neighbors, the neighbors are quite nosy, aren't they? The neighbors said, how terrible, and he says, we'll see. And then the army comes to take all the boys away to, to war. His son doesn't have to go because he has a broken leg. And the neighbors again come over and say, how wonderful. And he says, we'll see. You know, we really never know the, the ending of our karma until the very end. It's you know, so complicated. But we can understand it enough to work with it. And the way we do that is we, we, we set aside the past. Sometimes you have to look at the past, no problem. Sometimes we might have deep-seated issues in the past. We might want to go to a therapist and talk about, no problem. But generally, karma should be seen as moving forward with it. You know, what are your actions today? Think about what those actions are going to bring you in the future. And you don't even have to do that. You could set all that aside and just be a great person from now on. You could follow the Buddha's advice. You could put all this thinking aside, all these four things of purifying your karma and all these things, running around statues backwards, chanting malas and standing on your head. You could put them all aside. You could follow the Buddha's advice. Do only good. Do no evil. Purify your mind. Now that'll give you an awesome rebirth in your next life. So you no longer have to worry about thinking about rebirth. It'll give you a beautiful karma. You no longer have to study karma. Oh, I'm cutting my own throat here, aren't I? I'm giving you guys, you guys won't have to come anymore. You're getting all the easy odds. So, yeah, we just really focus on that. We just focus on becoming a wonderful person. Everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, in a nutshell. Johannes is going to yell at me for that, I think. You're, that's much too general of an explanation. <laughs> Thank you. I like to. Are oh, you welcome, Libby? And I'm always a click away, Libby, if you want to chat. Would anyone else like to share? We're coming up at the top of the hour. Oh, it was a really fun class. Really enjoyed it, yeah. <clears throat> Zopa had to go. He's uh, picking up his son. I think it's Sunday, but wanted to thank him for giving us a good topic to talk about. And now Karma's upset because everyone's talking about her. Tenzin Karma. I She's thought gonna... this was supposed to be everyone just talking about how great I am. <laughs> Why'd I even come to class? <laughs> just kidding. She's going to have lunch with her husband and say, those people, all they did was talk about me all day, all day long. Actually, I have one comment. So yesterday I was in Hanoi and I took some photographs of a board with these karma depictions. If you do this, then this is what happens. And it's <laughs> for me, very comical as a secular Buddhist. I was trying to share them with you, but I couldn't manage to get a file share to work. I don't know if you give me one minute to screen share, I can show those three pictures. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think I know how to do that. Why don't you, uh, can you post them on our... Could you post them on our Dharma uh, chat group? I can post them also there. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. I remember Lama Zopa had that sheet of paper with all the things that you do and this will happen to you in the next life. And and I just, oh, that was, that was definitely a step towards secular Buddhism for me when I saw that list of exactly, exactly what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Hannes. That's very kind. Okay, let's let's uh, end today's uh, teaching with our altruistic prayer. <clears throat> may all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well, may all be present, free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is a source of great joy and contentment. May all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. Whenever we say that prayer, you hear the teachings in it, right? So many of the things we learned today were are in that prayer. <clears throat> it was so wonderful spending Sunday with you. Thank you all for coming. It was wonderful. Let's all develop some good karma. So remember, what's the goal this week? Just to be wonderful people. It's, I mean, that's it. That's Buddhism. Be a wonderful person. Try to develop your mind. Be a wonderful person.
<laughs> this is the teaching of the Buddhas. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Tapa. Great class. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. You're welcome.